low. I know how I feel, and I'm sure you feel the same way, and and all the reasons might be legitimate, but uh, either, either way, it always plays on us a little bit. And as a pastor, probably even more so, um, because it's the preaching, it's the, it uh, always seems to fall back on the preacher more than the rest. We do all have a responsibility toward one another. I hope you realize that, and I think you do. And I, I am not at all uh, ashamed of the things that I've spoke on and talked on, encouraged on. I know it's the will of God. I know, I know the mind of God and when, what we should be and need to be and continue to be and grow. And, uh, and sometimes that's the very thing that uh, is troubling to people. And uh, in Second Timothy, it seems that Paul gives him that, that kind of that oversight and understanding of uh, just that. Uh, if you take your Bible to turn with me, you'll see uh, in chapter number three, he mentions this very uh, aspect of ministry. Uh, you'll find it anywhere you go. The, the church uh, comes and goes and wanes and woes, uh, but God doesn't. God is faithful. God will always be faithful. Chapter 3, uh, just uh, be seated. I'm just going to read this. He says, This know also, the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be, what? Lovers of their own selves. Their self-love, which means it's just whatever I want, what I wish, what I, what I desire, is prominent and first and foremost... Uh, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, un, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, um, fierce, despisers of those that are good. It's a big thing. The more you try to do right, the, sometimes the more you be criticized for it. Um, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And remember I mentioned this this morning, having what? Form. Just the outside. See, that's what God tries to break up. Uh, you know, a church can coast along in a long time and, uh, and just, be, just, being, just have fellowship in a sense, or, uh, but not really have a walk with God. And it says, having the form of godliness, but denying the power of, the Bible says, from such, turn away. Don't allow that to be, uh, affect you. Um, verse 6, of sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sin, led away, of captive, led away with divers lusts, ever learning. And notice what it says, I underline this in my Bible, ever learning in what? Never, ever. Never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That means you wonder, you say, well, I don't understand this. I just don't figure out why others don't understand this. And uh, it's a spiritual work, and it'll always be that way. And uh, he mentions the example of in Moses' time, and Janes and Jambers withstood Moses, so these also resist the truth, corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. But the Bible says they shall proceed no further. Their folly shall be manifest to all men as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine and manner of life and purpose of faith and long suffering, charity and patience, 
persecutions and afflictions which came to me in Antioch and Iconium, Lystra, which persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions, but evil men, seducers, shall wax worse and worse, being de- uh, deceiving and being deceived. They But continue thou, there's, there's our verse, you know, what's it say? Keep on going. Just keep on going. Don't, don't get distracted, don't get turned back, don't get discouraged. It says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and be assured and the, of knowing whom thou hast learned them. And from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And of course, a very um, important verse, all scripture is given by inspiration of God as profitable doctrine for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness that the man of God may be thir- perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I want to read a little bit more simply because it's, it all fits together. This is mainly what you'll hear when a person is ordained into the ministry. They'll hear the charge. And as, as Paul gave Timothy a charge, let me do this for us tonight. He said, I'm going to give you a charge. And that charge is they say, you know what, I'm going to be true, I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to keep doing the right thing. He says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, as I'll judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall teach heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables, but watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make sure, full proof of thy ministry. For I am ready now to be offered, and the time of my departure is hand. I fought a good fight, I've kept, I finished my course, I kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, a righteous judge, shall give me in that, la- that day, and not to me only, but to all them that love is appearing. You don't grow weary in well-doing. Just be loyal. Stay true. Do thy diligence to come in. Now watch, he, he develops this in this charge to Timothy. He says, Do thy diligence to come to me shortly, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, departed into Thessalonica, Crescens into Galatia, Titus into Mel- Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with me, thee, for he is profitable for the ministry. Tychius have I sent to Ephesus, the cloak I left in Troas, with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee the books, but especially the parchment. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his work, of whom be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. All right, so I'm just, I want you to understand that one of the things, aspects of the ministry is, main thing is just keep doing what you know is right. Don't get turned aside because some people don't want to do it. Uh, the thing of it is, God provides all of us the understanding and the heart, and, and not only that, but he, I think he provides a loyalty. Uh, I think there's a loyalty to Christ. We have a, we have a song that we sing or hymn that we sing and that loyalty is that you know, um, you know, if it was if it was determined by the uh, people around us uh, whether we were going to be loyal, then that would probably not work. But we're not dependent on those uh, individuals, 
we are definitely um, and uh, not at all dependent on their faithfulness. All right, if you take your Bible and turn back to the book of Philippians, I want to just finish this up. Um, I believe that <clears throat> I believe this church was not a very large church in, in, at Philippi, but I think it was one that the Apostle Paul was pleased with. Uh, but I want you to understand it wasn't a perfect church. Uh, it was not. It's not one that didn't have issues. Every church is going to have issues, but that doesn't mean it's not a good church. Um, it's like a family, right? Uh, I don't know of any family here that doesn't have their issues, right? And uh, so we worked through, we worked with those individuals and even ourselves. And, uh, and so he's, he's, he's concluding the letter in chapter number four. And uh, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you. Uh, Lord, you have uh, you said in the book of Thessalonians that the day will... Uh, be a falling away, and Lord, I pray that uh, although I know in many ways we feel like we're in the last days, we see so many uh, things that can distract us, so many false doctrines and teachers and people that uh, uh, are not loyal to you, your church, or your word, or uh, faithful, Father, to, to learn, to meditate, to trust your word. Uh, Lord, help us not to, to uh, fall victim to those things. Uh, help us to be more resolute, more determined, more in love with you uh, than ever before. Help our our faith, our joy, our uh, uh, sense of well-being to be uh, developed by you, kept by you, maintained by you. Uh, as you said, Timothy, uh, just keep on doing the work of an evangelist. Uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort, just uh, maintain a faithful course. Uh, Lord, I pray that we'd understand uh, your letter here to the church of Philippi, and uh, Father, that it was. Uh, it appears that it was a good church. It appears it was small. It was appears that it, it was determined, determined to try and do what they could, the best they could, and uh, be faithful. And I pray that we learn from that. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we see here in chapter uh, four, we. Uh, <clears throat> He starts off in chapter 3, talk, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of concision. Con, of course, that is those that uh, are working in the flesh or trying to do the work of God in the flesh. Um, he ends it um, with the same thing in chapter 3. He, uh, he says, brethren, in verse 17 of chapter 3, he says, brethren, be followers together of me, mark them which which walk so as we have us for an, an example. He says, you know, don't, there's a lot of different people going to be doing a lot of different things, but he says, he says, use us and what we do as an example. And he says in verse 18, he says, what? Many, what? Walk of whom I've told you often. You know, he see, remember he started off in chapter 3 uh, saying, I'm going to repeat something I've told you before. And then he ends the chapter with the same thing with, uh, I've told you often, now I even tell you weeping that they are the enemies of the cross, whose end is their destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. So important that we understand that. And don't, be, uh, don't be distracted or be discouraged because there is that element in, uh, in amongst us, they said. 
He says, for our conversation in verse 20 is in heaven, from whence also we look for our Savior Jesus Christ. What does he mean by conversation in heaven? Basically, it's basically that what, what we are doing is a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Okay, this is a conversation. This is a lifestyle between uh, something you're working out your own salvation and God is working through you and through your family. And uh, so he says what, I'm, what, what we're doing is not in relationship to what other people are doing. We're doing in our relationship to, as it is to the Lord. And... Uh, he says, For whence we also look for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies, that we may be fashioned unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So it begins chapter 4 with the ending with this idea that there seems to be an element, even in the church of Philippi, that was affecting them and, uh, and had an effect upon them. And uh, and if you're weak in the Lord, then those things are going to uh, help you overcome. It'll be or, or or may overcome you, and you don't want that to happen. And so he's basically saying, our conversation is where it's in heaven. It's we're not uh, we're not in, we're not reacting out our lives according to what other people are doing. We're acting out our lives according to what God wills for us to do. Um. And then in chapter 4, if you'll follow along there, he, he continues this, uh, uh, this idea. Uh, he mentions how, how much he appreciates them. He starts off in verse 1. He calls them, he, uh, Beloved, long for my joy, my crown. He says, do what? Stand fast. I mean, stand fast. Don't, don't, don't move to the right. Don't move to the left. Don't start questioning uh, what the Lord is doing. Stand fast, my dearly beloved. And notice what it says. He gets it. He takes all this thing that we've read through in the first three chapters. Now he gets down to the specifics. What is it? Did I say this was a perfect church? No. The church had some issues. What's the first thing he says? He mentions two individuals. Eudeus and Sentius, that they be what? Same mind. What does that mean? What was? What do you think was going on? They weren't the same mind, right? So that means what? Put it in terms that we would that we could understand. If they weren't of the same mind, there were disagreements among them. But if we're both abiding in Christ, then there's some way that even though we, God may be working in different ways, and it's, there's a way that the, those lives can dovetail together. If there is a disagreement, if there is a, a challenge in there, what, what happens is that we say, well, now I know we can't, be at with, we can't be at each other with this. We have to find a way that we can work this out. We've got to find a way that is God's mind and God's heart and, and that we create unity in this, in this fellowship. And so he says to them, basically, work it out. Figure a way to work this out. Be of the same mind. That God doesn't, have, doesn't plan for us to be at each other or in some way, but they need to work it out. Worst thing you can do is ignore an issue. How many would agree with that? 
There's a lot of times people, well, let's, let's just put our, uh, uh, let's just hide our heads. You know, it's kind of like your little kids when they, they'll put their hands over their head. Well, you can't see me now. All right, the problem goes away. No, it doesn't go away. And what we need to do is address it and say, okay, what do we need to do to fix this? There's a lot of people that are not, they don't like to be confrontational. And they don't want to, they don't want to, uh, I just assume not, uh, uh, not to even see there's a problem. I, I just want to keep going on like there's no issue. Well, listen, how many think that's going to produce good kids? I mean, you just say, well, I don't see no problems with my kids. I just think, uh, it, it just act like they're not there. Is that, is that going to make your kids go be right? Is it, is it going to be fun dealing with a problem with your son or your daughter? No, it's not going to be much fun. It's not going to be something you're wanting to deal with. But should you? Yes. Yeah, you need to deal with it. You need to work with it. You figure out how you can fix it, make it right. Same thing is true here. And then he mentions in verse 3 the same thing after he had finished these first three chapters. He mentions the, he says, Entreat the true yoke, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, claim it also. With other of my fellow laborers whose names are in are are in the book of life, it's kind of an interesting statement, isn't it? Well, let's let's digest that a little bit. What was going on there? We had a problem between two individuals. And he says, "Listen, get get this taken care of." What's going on here? Help me out. Yeah, there's, there's not being, there's something not, there's something not to, to being treated the same, right? When you kind of conjecture that, that somehow he's got to admonish them. Hey, you need to help these people as well. All right. I don't know the culture at that time specifically. Maybe it was a uh, because they were women, they didn't treat them the same way, or maybe because they were a different race, or maybe because they had some kind of. Uh, abnormality or some something that was different about them and he's saying listen whose names are what they're written in the book of life don't treat them like they're second class citizens as in a spiritual way so there need to be some some uh, equality among the among the church and saying listen uh, I, I i used this illustration before and we had people in uh, in in uh, when we were in the shepherd's class and they were mentally handicapped physically handicapped should we treat them you know like second class citizens should we do everything to make them feel like they're just as much of a part of the body of christ as everybody else should we maybe go out of our way maybe give them as equal amount of time and effort in our lives and interest and maybe say hey would you want to come over for dinner would you like to you know visit them and encourage them yeah that is something that is is something that is a spiritual responsibility. And then he begins again. Remember what we started yesterday, this morning's message out? Glenn, you weren't up here, but everybody I think else was. What did, we, what did he start off with? What are we always to do? Rejoice. Rejoice. The Christian life is a life of rejoicing. If you lose the joy of your salvation, listen, you've lost all the motivation there is to continue on. 
And so you want you don't want anything to take away the joy, do you? He says, rejoice, as he says here, in the Lord always. And again, I say what? Rejoice. rejoice. Don't let any situation, any situ- need, anything that goes on in, in, in this church or another church or in Christianity, you say, now listen, my, my relationship is with Christ. I may agree with that. If my relationship with Christ is prominent, and, and, and yes, I'm not saying... Well, your fellowship and your relationship with your brothers and sisters in the Lord is greatly affects you. But if everything else goes haywire, listen, you still have your what? Your walk with God. You can still do the will of God. I mean, you look at Paul as he finished up that uh, uh, letter to Timothy. He says, he says, I'm ready to go. My time is at hand. Uh, you know, and he says, uh, there's laid up for me a crown. Did he sound like he was uh, losing it? And Boy, I'm just discouraged. I'm uh, ready to give up the boat. Or did he feel like, hey, I'm, this, I've, I've enjoyed this Christian walk. I've enjoyed this Christian life. I've enjoyed what God has done uh, through me. And so you have the example that he gives us here. So I think you'll see in verse 3 there was a caution to be careless in exclusion of individuals, whether it's age or gender or other characteristics. I, I praise God. I've seen, and maybe I think I think we could even do better, but I see there's people that's always... Miss Wilma hasn't darkened the doors here at the church for what? Three or four years. Three or four years, is it? How many of you, does? it's not probably a day or at least every several times a week you'll think of Miss Wilma? How many know think of Wilma? That's God. And so we say, well, you know, we, she can't come, but we somehow we need to do what we can, as best we can, to show her that, hey, even though you can't come because of your physical handicaps and limitations, you are still a part of this body. The worst thing we can do is recognize that that is not the responsibility that we have. And there could be things that are in our culture, in our background, that limits how we might treat others, and we don't want that. Verse 4, rejoicing. That means a person that is going to maintain a positive uh, uh, course. He's going to be hopeful. He's going to be confident. He's going to be thankful. He's going to be praising. Is someone that is saying, listen, I'm not going to let things get to me. I'm going to spend the time I need that I can keep on rejoicing. Keep on rejoicing. In verse five, let's so let's do a little let's do a little talk about this. What do you think, verse five? Why does he throw this verse in there? What is first of all? What is moderation? The ability to be able to uh, be temperate in your uh, your desires, temperate in your attitude, temperate in every aspect of your life. And why is that important? Good, good. I can't, couldn't have explained it better myself. That when you're temperate or you're moderate, it just means who's in control. Christ, Christ is. You're not letting anything take overtake your your emotions. And listen, how many of you sometimes it gets the best of you at times? 
You feel that starting to climb up in your spirit and you begin about right here and you begin to say, right? And you say, now wait a minute, this isn't God. This isn't the Lord Jesus directing and guiding my life. And you say, well, Lord, now take, take this down a notch or two, all right? And it can be not only issues that happen in your life, but moderation in the way we live. I mean, moderation means that there's... there's I have, I've been teaching in my class. Uh, Zach's been the only one in my class here tonight, but teaching in the class that this idea of, of stewardship is that we don't have to keep up with the Joneses. We don't have to. We don't have to have everything that the world says because... Uh, you know, our treasure is where, Zach? Where is our treasure? Somebody help him out. Heaven. Our treasures are in heaven. Where moth and rust doesn't corrupt, nor thieves break through and steal. It's not the, you know, I, I've had more things stolen in my life. Man, I... I can't keep track of the things that's been gone out of my hand. I've gotten to the place I'd say, you know, might as well just give it away. If I don't, somebody will take it. You know, we got ready to move, and then we had some things, and we had more things than we knew what to do with. And we sold a few things, that, but most of them we just say, hey, can you use it? Yeah, all right, it's yours. Because where, where's my treasure? Where should my treasure be? Amen. Right? It's not, it's not what a man possesses. So then I'm going to say, God, lay all, I said to your, the kids this morning, I said, I was having, they're, they're doing an audit of the, all the things that they own, which probably is, I don't maybe not, I don't, Zach says he's got a, three drawers, three dressers, you say, how many did you say you had? Two. Two dressers full of stuff. And you're not going to lay all that stuff out on the table and say, boy, this, this boy, I had a good life, look at all this, you know? Um, that, isn't, that isn't what we possess that makes us. It's what God does through us that makes us. And so he does that moderation at hand. Verse number six, he says, let your moderate, he says, be careful for nothing but what? Here we go. But in what? Everything. <clears throat> uh, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And so that is the person that is living by faith. There's a person that's trusting the Lord. Uh, if anything, you feel a bunch of needs, you feel a bunch of uh, things that uh, are one, you said, you just, I'm going to give, i got to unload some of this. I give these things to the Lord. So again, it's he's wrapping this up for him. He says, listen, it, was the Philippian church perfect? Nope. Had it some issues? Yep. It says, Can, could you deal with them? What's the one thing? I got to keep rejoicing. What another thing? I got to I got to maintain a moderation. What's another thing? I got to be careful. I'm going to uh, and nothing. That means I'm not uh, I'm not going to uh, allow anything to go by without. I'm not going to pray about it. I'm going to give this thing to the Lord. I'm going to give the issues, the needs, the concerns, the uh, uncertainties, everything that I have. I'm going to not be careful about it. I'm going to make sure I just give it to the Lord. And notice what he says. What's the promise in verse seven? Peace of God. How many of you know what that means? A peace of God. That means things can be kind of pulling apart at the seams. Things can kind of not be sure and uncertainty. It may be your job. It may be the future of the church. It may be the future of, 
of, uh, of your children or the future of your health or whatever it is, you say, you know what? I'm going to have a peace that God's going to give me. He said it'll keep your hearts and your minds. That's good, isn't it? I can, I can, you know, so that we don't become... <clears throat> you think the devil knows it when we get a little bit up sideways? How many think the devil kind of figures that out? And he figures, you know, if this pushes you a little sideways with your relationship with others, your relationship with the Lord, what do you think the devil's going to keep doing? <laughs> I found a soft spot. Alright, I'm just gonna keep on I'm just gonna keep on digging you in this way. And if it makes your relationship with God sour and your and your attitude sour and your mind sour and your heart sour, just keep on doing it. But when he figures out, remember when uh, the devil came to Jesus, after he figured out after three times of attempting him in different ways, he says, You know what, I'll I might as well give up for a season. This isn't working. This person's walking too close to the Lord. Also, he finishes it up in chapter number three, four, with the idea of verse eight, finally. And boy, if this isn't the truth, you want to saturate yourself with everything that is going to nurture your spirit. This is, if I can, that's why we, we have these, I don't have them, there's a box somewhere, This we got all the tapes. We have the devotional books. You, you have in your, your, me and Mohan are trying to keep uh, uh, accountability with each other. Or we do in our devotions. You maintain a fellowship with people that, you know, uh, not, not that you can't have everybody uh, in the church try to be fellowship, but boy, you try to, I try to, and I'll be honest with you, I, if somebody really encourages I like to be around them. I like to be, I like to be close to them because you know what? They build me up. They encourage me. And, and it says, so, and, and, and not just that, but, you know, just the conversation, as he mentions here, he says, finally, brother, whatsoever things are what? True, whatsoever things are, what is true? What's true? Is everything you hear on the radio true? Right? It is, is everything that you get out of the newspaper true? Is the conversation you have with your neighbors true? Not necessarily. But whatever is true... He mentions whatever things are honest. You know, maintain that, that integrity, that, that, that idea that I'm going to keep my mind and my heart and my soul, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, he says, do what? Think on them. So let's say there's some negative, bad, untrue, unpure. Thing. How many of you think that sometimes what we get off the smartphones isn't really all the virtues that we need to maintain good thought life? You think they say, well, could it be, could it be we're in the, in the information age? How many of you feel at times that you're getting too much information? I, 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 you hear too many sad stories. I hear too many discouraging news. I hear too many things that aren't right. I hear too many things. I hear all the bad statistics. Now, I'm not saying we stick our head in the sand. But at the same time, you can, you can bring yourself down. Yeah. You can. 
And, and there's times I, I there's times I don't, know, I don't know whether you've been like this with me. I'll I try to stay abreast of the news, and uh, and every time the advertisements come on, it seems like they come on about forty decibels higher than everything else. And I, I'm standing, I, I caught a little bit of news, and then they're, and they got all this, and I, I'm like, whoa, I just, I can't take it. I have turned off. And I think that, to me, that's almost a good sign that I, my, your spirit doesn't need that. God says you need to protect yourself. I, I, I hope, as your pastor, that when, I, when I'm around you, I encourage you. I hope when I when I have a conversation with you, I try to bring up things that will help you. I, if you've got some things that you're that maybe are not, I'm not going to bring them up every time I see you. You know, I, I'm sure you do the same for me. Why do we do that? It's not that we're ignoring; it's the fact that we know that we have to edify, we have to build up. We can't. We can't just. We, we're, we're, if we don't if we don't build up each other up, who's going to do it? And so he's saying here, listen, think on these things, these things which we have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. What do you know? You think about what he's what he's saying here. He said and, uh, the idea there that uh, that he says, listen, I. I don't ask you necessarily to emulate me, but I do give you a pattern that maybe you can see, hey, that, that's the right thing, that's a good thing, that's a healthy thing, that's a spiritual thing. I think God would have me to do some of those things or be like that. So he says... Verse 10, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you also were careful, but you lacked opportunity. So I want you to take the last few verses, and we're going to just, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time, but 10 through 16 basically is Paul saying, listen, when you're spiritually where you should be, and if I'm spiritual, that's what I was getting across to my class today. Is when you're right with where God wants you to be, and you're right with what you things you should have, and the, and your stewardship of things. You know the things that you want to do in life. You want to be a blessing to other people. That's that if 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 you're just longing and looking for a way that you could be a blessing. I had someone come up to me today after I taught in Sunday school. And they mentioned to me, and they said, Pastor, what do you think that if I, you mentioned about our things that we have that we probably don't wear and we got more than we need, uh, he said, w- you think it'd be all right if I just give it to some folks that I know that I know would appreciate it? <laughs> I said, well, first of all, talk to your mom and dad. But if you can say to them, Mom, you know, I haven't wore this forever and ever, and it's just sitting in my drawer, and so and so and so and so would get a big blessing out of this. Let me ask you, and I said this, is how do you think you'll feel when you do that? How do you think you feel? One, you'll be able to get the things in your drawer to fit. Secondly, 
you're going to find out, you know, that felt so good. I'm going to see. I'm going to do that again. I'm going to find out another way to be a blessing. It's so much fun being a blessing that that should be the driver behind everything that you do. You, yeah, you've got to do things for yourself. You know what I mean. You've got you to gotta keep house and you've got you to gotta go to work and, and that's for you. But you know, there's not that... I mean, there's a blessing you can live. But you know when the real blessing comes, Mohan? You know when the real blessing comes? When you can do something for somebody else. That's where it's really fun. That's when it becomes fun. And that's what God says that it is when you're in the right relationship with Him. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care of me has flourished again wherein you lacked our carefulness, but you lacked opportunity. He says, not that I speak in respect of one, for I've learned whatsoever state I'm in, therefore to be content. I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I'm instructed to both be full and to hungry and to, to both abound and to suffer need. And we always hear this verse 13, but you know most of the time it's set out of context. Verse 13 means that not only am I able to give, I can suffer a need, but I can also receive. I can, I can also give, I can receive at the same time. I, I can have a need and I, can, and I, can, and I, and I may not have it. It's, I can maybe have a need in my life, but it's not an issue. But if somebody wants to be a blessing to me and, and minister to my need, praise the Lord, bring it on. He says in verse 13, I can do what? All things. I can be all things what I need to be. That means I can suffer a need and somebody can meet the need or somebody doesn't meet the need and I can still be blessed. I can do all things. Remember we started off with what? Rejoicing. Keep that in mind. You and I, I know this church, I'm your pastor. I can sense when people are a little bit down and out and discouraged. And you have to ask yourself, is that of the Lord? Be honest, should we ask ourselves that question? Should I be discouraged to the place that I'm moping around and kind of, uh, you know, I've had people ask me this. I don't think it shows in my face, but I've had people ask me at work, no less. Say, you okay? Ever had anybody do that to you? They, they know you well enough. They know if you're feeling a little bit discouraged or under the weather or you're not quite yourself. And I want to say this. Is that not, that's not a proper witness. And now we need to ask God, don't, not that you have to be a Norman Vincent Peale. If you don't know who Norman Vincent Peale is, that's, that's too far gone. But you can be somebody that has a sense of God's in control. And God is, God is, God is worthy. You remember, you, remember, you remember a person that serves the king? He, remember, remember when, who was it, jo, uh, was it Joseph that came into the presence of the king and the king asked him, what's wrong? You're not normally this way. 
you know, in that time, if you came into the presence of a king and you somehow weren't <laughs> maintaining a good spirit, you know what they could do? They could take you and say, you're, you're, no, I'm not going to serve you. You could die for that. And so I don't hate to use this illustration, but we serve who? The king of kings. There's never a reason that any problem, any issue should take us so low that we're, we're, uh, we're moping and dragging around like we, we long, last, uh, lost our long, long lost friend. Thank you. Sometimes it takes everybody to preach, you know. So what I'm saying to you is, he wraps this up. He says, "Therefore, listen. There's always you're, we're all you're always in a church. You're always going to have what, Oscar? You're always going to have issues. There's always going to be things happening. There's always going to be it's going to be up and down and in and out. People going in, so, you know. There's always going to be some fluctuation in there. But what is to be to maintain? What is our responsibility?" is spiritually to maintain a proper spirit and heart and mind. Yeah, there's, I'm not saying there's times we'll be a little higher than other times, but we're not going to get down and discouraged. Remember, he said, made that charge to Timothy. You know, you've got to do what you're supposed to do, and God will give you the grace to do it, and he'll give you the grace to do it in the right spirit, the right heart, the right mind. And he said, I desired these things of you, in verse 17, that fruit may abound to your account. Yeah, you got all these things going on there, but be a blessing. He says, I have all and abound, and I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which are sent from you as an odor, a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. But my God, you listen to this verse. I've kind of changed some of my thinking. I haven't exposed, shared with too many people that about giving. But I think giving is giving what you have and trusting God for God to meet your need. Because that's what he says here. He mentions also in the book, in the book of Galatians. It's time to go home. Galatians. He said, but my God supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That means they had provided some of their own for their own living to help Paul. That's sacrifice, isn't it? And that's when it's fun. By the way, Zach, when you start emptying them dressers out, don't give them all the nasty clothes. Give them some of that nice shirt that you really like. Right? Here we go. Got to make a trip to Coles. All right. I'm going to close. But understand this. That the Christian life is that if I can wrap it up in one simple statement. Is the Christian life is challenging. But the challenging never takes you to the place of discouragement. Oh yeah, you might try to visit there for a little while. But you've got to remind yourself, this is not where I need to go. 
And I'm not going to stay very long. I'm going to ask the Lord to take this away. Because that's not a place that Christians dwell. Everybody hear what I'm saying? That's not where Christians dwell. How many of you think there was times that the Lord himself visited a place of discouragement? Did he? Yeah. How long did he stay there? Not very long. It's not the place that we we only visit just long enough to say this is not the place to stay. And you ask God, rejoice in the Lord always. And what? Again, I say what? He didn't say that. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Rejoice in the Lord when it's convenient. Rejoice in the Lord when things are going good. Rejoice in the Lord when, uh, when, when there's something to rejoice about. He said rejoice in the Lord. What? Always. There's always, I can look around at any given moment of any given time and say, praise God, God is good. And I can name thing after thing after thing after thing after thing after thing after thing, pointing to the amazing grace and goodness of God. Oh yeah, the devil would like to pass all the things that are negative in front of me. But that's not of the Lord. Think on what things? The things that are true. The things that are just, the things that are lovely, the things that are of good report. Think on what? These things. Yeah, the devil's out here. Yeah, he wants to bring it down. That's not where Christians dwell. Let's close in prayer. Let's stand. Father, we thank you. And we thank you, Lord, for every soul that you've put into our lives. We thank you for every person that Father has has come into our presence, a part of this fellowship. We thank you, Father, for their children. We thank you, Father, for their, their, their blessings. We thank you for their things that are challenging. 